Welcome to Tardisian Files, a show dedicated to reviewing and discussing aspects of one of the most loved and longest-running British sci-fi shows. This podcast is a non-profit, fan-led series where we pull together sources from all across Doctor Who's extended media, including the show itself, comics, audio stories and novels. we will continue to ponder the question, what if the Doctor never met Donna Noble for a second time, and we'll see how this may affect the plot of the Sontaran stratagem. Now, admittedly, the scenario for this episode was difficult for me to write, as you'll see later on, because the absence of Donna Noble from this timeline causes major narrative deviations from the original story. So if you're not thoroughly excited yet, you will be, because without further ado, let's get into the scenario. We open with the Doctor somewhere in 1980s London, with a temporal equaliser similar to the one the Twelfth Doctor used in The Return of Doctor Mysterio to remove that ominous dent he noticed both in this and in the original timeline. At some point during his pit stop, the flip phone on the console starts going off, causing the Doctor to hesitantly pick it up, knowing that there's only one person in the universe who could be calling him. When he answers, it's none other than Martha Jones. She's summoning him back to Earth in 2009. Following the signal, the Doctor takes the TARDIS to Martha's location. They happily reunite and briefly catch up with one another. Martha is engaged and working as a Doctor for UNIT. Martha also notes that the Doctor is travelling alone. Suddenly, Martha pulls a radio from her belt and begins running off military codes as the Doctor watches UNIT military forces converge onto the nearby factory, sporting a large logo on the front. Atmos. The Doctor is unsettled by the sight of his former companion having turned into a soldier and now commanding a strike operation on hapless factory workers in broad daylight. The Doctor is brought onto Unit's mobile HQ van by Martha, who introduces him to Colonel Mace. As Unit converges onto the factory, they're all unaware of the mysterious beings watching them from a secluded location through bugs that have been dotted throughout the factory. Inside the mobile HQ, Martha and Mace explain to the Doctor the reason behind the raid. 52 people all died at the same moment the day before in their cars. When the Doctor asks what connected their deaths, the Colonel says that they were all inside their cars, leading the Doctor to realise that Unit suspects that Atmos is alien. Back in the factory, Private Harris and Grey are still led towards the basement of the factory and, just like in the original timeline, they discover the semi-alive clone entity 
along with alien technology, behind a hidden door where they encounter General Stahl, who reveals himself as General Stahl of the Tenth Sontaran Battle Fleet, known as Stahl the Undefeated. After a brief confrontation, Stahl takes them to be converted into Sontaran drones. Meanwhile, the Doctor and Martha are working on an Atmos device, which they surmise is indeed human-assembled. They begin to converse, with the Doctor criticising Martha's association with armed soldiers, to which she points out that he was the one who got her the job in the first place, and she convinces him that she is exactly where she needs to be by pointing out that, by working on the inside, she can make UNIT into a better organisation, earning a smile from the Doctor. Unlike in the original timeline, Donna Noble is not present to investigate the factory's offices, which means that the Doctor does not discover that none of the factory employees ever got sick. Without this key discovery, Colonel Mace does not instruct Martha to medically examine all the factory workers. Instead, the Doctor and Martha are both briefed by Colonel Mace about the Atmos creator, Luke Rattigan. Colonel Mace instructs the pair of them to visit the Rattigan Academy, assigning Ross Jenkins as their unit escort. This, however, puts a massive dent in the Sontarans' plans. As drones Grey and Harris report back to Stahl, they tell him that they have missed their prime opportunity to clone Martha, raising the question, what will the Sontarans do now? Will they clone someone else? If so, who will they clone? Who is low profile enough whilst having enough clearance to obtain a copy of the NATO launch codes? In my opinion, there simply isn't anyone within UNIT's mobile HQ who has enough clearance and would also be able to move around unhindered. I did toy with the idea of Colonel Mace's second-in-command, Captain Marion Price, who, in the original timeline, was the one coordinating NATO's nuclear launch, possibly being a candidate for cloning. But, given her proximity to Mace, and the fact that she would have been likely handling most of the coordination efforts for Operation Blue Sky, it would have made it very difficult for a clone of her to move around undetected. And given her rank, it would be unlikely that, that a pair of lowly privates, such as Grey and Harris, would be able to lure her into the cloning bay. Because of a lack of a mole within Unit, Harris and Grey are instead ordered by Stahl to report back on Unit's strategic positions around the factory. If they cannot interfere with Unit's operations, they can at least prepare for their own counter-raid on the facility. However, the lack of a cloned Martha will have dire consequences for the Sontaran's plans. They will soon be unable to operate in the shadows, meaning they will have to advance to guerrilla tactics sooner than in the original timeline. But more on that later. Meanwhile, Martha, the Doctor, and Ross drive to the Rattigan Academy outside London. The Doctor points out the irony of the unit jeep they're driving being fitted with Atmos, whilst units suspect it to be alien, causing them all to laugh. 
They arrive at the Raskin Academy and soon meet its founder and headmaster, 18-year-old Luke Rattigan. Just like in the original timeline, the arrogant Luke Rattigan takes the opportunity to show off his lab, which the Doctor admires, quickly noting that with the technology at the Academy alone, Luke and his cohort could easily move to another planet. Luke Rattigan makes no attempt to have a civilised conversation and quickly demands to know what the three of them want. Growing suspicious of Luke Rattigan's motivations for developing Atmos and all this other technology, the Doctor confronts Luke about the Atmos device, declaring that he couldn't possibly have developed it on his own and notes a rather alien-looking sculpture in Rattigan's living room. Before Luke can stop him, the Doctor rightly determines that it's a teleport and presses a button on its touchpad. This leads to the Doctor blundering onto the Sontaran ship, revealing that Atmos is indeed alien, and the Sontarans, who he instantly recognises, are the undisputed culprits. The Doctor is quickly noticed by General Stahl, and teleports back to the Academy. However, before he can convince the others to go back to the Jeep, General Stahl follows him and teleports into the room. He declares himself to be Stahl the Undefeated of the Tenth Sontaran Battlefleet. Rattigan quickly makes it clear that he is in league with the Sontarans, urging the Doctor not to insult Stahl, which leads to the Doctor running off everything he knows about Sontarans and demonstrates his knowledge of their greatest weakness. He serves a tennis ball across the room, bouncing it off the wall, hitting Stahl in his probic vent, causing them to double over in pain. This gives the Doctor, Martha and Ross a chance to escape the Academy. When they arrive in the Jeep, the Doctor is able to get Martha to call Unit and immediately warn Colonel Mace to initiate Code Red Sontaran, unlike in the original timeline where units were delayed by Martha's clone. The Sontaran protocol, however, would have been the push that unit required to initiate the NATO launch program, despite the Doctor's warnings not to engage the Sontarans. This proves to be a fatal mistake, because now the Sontarans have no way to subtly delay the NATO launch, knowing that the sheer volume of nuclear missiles being launched would have made it impossible to successfully activate the Atmos devices. So instead, they changed tactics. They planned to advance in the facility much earlier than in the original timeline, after they've disposed of Martha, the Doctor and Ross. The trio's jeep begins to drive them into the nearby river, which prompts the Doctor to confuse the device just as they're about to drive off the road. This tricks the Sontarans into believing that the Doctor and his companions are now dead, lulling them into a false sense of security. Their plans begin to advance as they send out the signal to begin the atmospheric conversion. Now they believe the Doctor is no longer a threat whilst Commander Score's attack squad are assembling in the Atmos factory's cellar. Knowing that, with Atmos active, and units have already been aware to their presence, they know that units will be activating the nuclear launch codes. 
Now, while it was only briefly discussed in The Poison Sky, the reason the Sontarans wanted to stop the launch codes in the first place, despite knowing that it wouldn't harm their ship, was because it would have caused the Atmos gas to ignite, the same way that the atmospheric machine assembled by the Doctor in the original timeline did, and this completely would have undone their plan. With UNIT already preparing to launch, and knowing that other world powers would likely be ready to strike the ship on their own if left undeterred, the Sontarans are aiming to send a message to humanity not to engage them in combat. Commander Skull makes his way up to the factory. Meanwhile, the Doctor, Martha and Ross are still far away from the city. They aim to get back to London on foot, and instead of heading to Chiswick, like in the original timeline, they are heading straight back towards the factory, and so they're able to commandeer an atmosphere vehicle much sooner. Martha tries to contact Colonel Mace again, but annoyingly he's not answering, leading to the three of them to become very worried. Colonel Mace's absence is because, back at the factory, Unit have found themselves completely unprepared to fight Sontarans, and the factory under siege. The Cordelaine signal renders their weapons useless, causing the various platoons of unit soldiers to be slaughtered, with Colonel Mace ordering a strategic withdrawal. Knowing the factory is a place of importance, and not wanting the Sontarans to establish a base on Earth, Colonel Mace orders from the mobile HQ that the factory is to be destroyed. An airstrike is called, and within minutes, the factory along with the entire Sontaran battle squad, the factory workers, and any remaining unit troops unable to escape, are all killed in a fiery blast that obliterates the Atmos factory. Colonel Mace also orders that the aircraft responsible for the strike is to lift the TARDIS from the wreckage and bring it to Unit HQ at the Tower of London. This is now a matter of war. on the Sontaran ship, General Stahl is seething with rage. His plan is falling apart in front of him, and they've just lost an entire battle squad to these primitive humans. Nevertheless, he believes that unit forces are at least sufficiently depleted to delay the NATO launch, while he determines the best way to prevent the nuclear launch at all from the ship. Back on Earth, Martha and Ross notice that the Atmos devices are spewing this seemingly toxic gas. The Doctor watches in horror as his earlier theory about 400 million cars being converted into 400 million weapons come to fruition. Suddenly, Martha and Ross both get an emergency broadcast on their unit radios. They're being summoned to the Tower of London. The Doctor looks worried knowing that if UNIT has suddenly moved their operation from the Atmos factory to their main base of operations, then the situation must have escalated dramatically. As they drive, the three of them watch helplessly as the sun is slowly blotted out by the thick gas covering the city. Tardisian files. Unit have engaged the Sontarans 
in all-out war. A warrant has been put out for Luke Rattigan's arrest, and the entire world is being choked by Atmos gas. The Doctor still has Martha, he still has the TARDIS, but the bodies are already piling up, and the Sontarans now have the upper hand. What will the Doctor do in this new, darker timeline? Find out in the next episode of Doctor What If. enjoyed today's episode, please leave a like and tell your friends. You can check out some of our other materials on Spotify, our anchor page, and you can get updates on the podcast at our Instagram page, at Tardisian Files Podcasts. As always, join us next time for more episodes of Tardisian Files. See you then everyone!